All right, so as I mentioned before, today's a little different. Brooke and I wanted to just hop up here before you guys this morning, um, in no way presenting ourselves as experts really on anything, not even each other yet, sort of, but not really, and answer any questions you guys might have regarding those topics. You got a question about God that's just been sticking with you all year. Um, And that might be, maybe it's a question coming out of a sermon that we taught. Do you have a question about the Bible in general? Like it's veracity or like, you know, where can I get one, et cetera. But deeper questions about scripture specifically, those are questions that we will try our best to answer with you. And if we don't know the answers to any of your questions, we'll maybe try and figure them out together. Do you have a question about faith, how to hear from God, et cetera, or just love? Brooke and I have been married for 11 years now. And we know a little bit about marriage and relationships. And so those questions are up, up, up in the air for you guys to throw out as well. So I'm going to give you guys a minute or two to write down some questions. And as you have one, you can pass it to like maybe let's say the, the ends of these two rows and the end of these two rows. And you can set them down and the interns will collect them as the service goes on and bring them up to us. But does anybody have a question right now that we can just start with as people are writing down some questions? Anybody write one down before like I instructed you to do? Patricia has a question. Patricia has a question. That's what I said. All right. So you guys go ahead and write down some questions. And no, man, that's from last service. That's a junior high question. I refuse to answer it, but I'll, I'll take a crack at it. Um, but you can write down your questions as we go. So I'm going to answer this one. It's not going to take long. I'm going to need another one as soon as we're done. I'm going to let Brooke ask the question. Oh, oh, where do babies come from? <laughs> you ask the question, you can answer it. We're not going to go there, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful. All right. It's not storks. Stork, if a stork is involved, you need to see like a therapist. <laughs> it's too far? No, I, I'm just thinking, yeah, the kids are outside and I'm not ready to explain that yet. That's right. Yeah, don't tell my kids we're not ready for that conversation. We're not ready. Yet. Please don't. All right. Um, does anybody have another question before us? Or we can just like freestyle. You can holler one out. Well, as let's you guys... just let them write it down for a second. Maybe. All right, we can give them a second. I did see a hand. Jeff Duty, come on up here. Or do you just want to stand up and tell me your question? Yeah, this is the Omer Talk Show. We have our own mugs that are coming for your purchase. No, it's just, man, I like comfy chairs. I always stand up. I wanted to it's sit It's because down. I have to sit down, and it's weird if he's standing, and I am not. It, it does take a certain amount of self-control to s- sit. No, me. it's way better to sit. So, all right. I hope you guys are writing some questions down as we go, but I feel like I saw a hand. Do you guys have one? What do you got, honey? several times a week. Yeah, no lie. I'll give you an example. Um, So quick story, and I've given Brooke permission that if I go too long, she's going to cut me off because I ramble sometimes, (laughs) as you know. So um, when I was feeling like it was time for us to maybe um, buy a house, I was scared of that because it's a monster purchase. I mean, that's something that we could potentially be paying for the rest of our lives, cash-wise. And fixing up wise. And I asked the Lord, is it that season? Do you want us to buy a house and stay in the woodlands? Because we were kind of like looking at Austin or California or Turkey. Anywhere but the woodlands? <laughs> Anywhere but Swamp Town, USA. And I opened the Bible at random 
And I found myself in Jeremiah 29, and that's one of the most famous passages in the Bible as far as Jeremiah 29, 11, which says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to bless you and prosper you. But there's some stuff that comes before that passage, Jeremiah 29, 5 through 7, and it starts off by saying, build a home and plan to stay. And my question to God was, do you want us to buy a home? Do you want us to stay? And that was like where my eyes met the page. It said, build a home and plan to stay. So yeah. And I cried. And Brooke cried because she was like, the woodlands, oh my gosh. There's lots of mosquitoes and humidity. Um, But yeah, I I believe that God uses the Bible like that sometimes, but I also believe that you need to do it with wisdom. Um, And as Brooke would be quick to say, read the scripture in the context of which it was written. So like if you're praying about like an enemy and you open up to a story in the Old Testament where it says, kill them all, I don't think that's what God is calling you to do. Um, But I bet there's a lesson in it that you can pray through to discover how to handle it. And Justin does do that regularly. I don't. I usually read straight through the Bible just because that's how I connect with the Lord. But every now and then God will like put it on my heart to seek him that way. And when I do, he always answers me. So it's something that you have to prayerfully consider um, because it's not like a foolproof thing. Yeah, and God speaks to all of us in different ways, and some of us different ways every day. I got a friend, whenever they pray, they hear the Lord. That's not how I experience him, but I have experienced him like that before. We got a, any uh, question cards ready, Patricia? If you, again, if you have questions you've written down, just pass them to the middle and set them on the ground, and the interns will come and collect them. Are you proofing it first, (laughs) (laughs) just in case? As a God-loving couple, what are some action steps or thought processes that set you apart from a secular couple? That's a good question. I'd say it's in the way that we obey what the word says about marriage is probably the easy answer, but like we make it a point and we haven't always done perfectly. We don't go to bed angry. Um, I have taught on this before to you guys uh, that if you go to bed angry, the verse is specifically talking about married couples, but I say if you go to bed angry at anyone, I feel like spiritually you're basically saying, I'll just deal with this later. Um, this isn't that big a deal. And I feel like the enemy is like doing some stuff. It's like we're giving him permission to like saying, I'm not going to deal with this. And I've gone to bed angry with Brooke and woken up the next day and my anger has turned to fury and there's no good reason. But on those times that when we say, all right, this is not going to be pleasant, but let's talk this out before we go to bed in a rational way, I wake up the next day and I always feel better. And usually we like have made up by then. You have something to say about that? Um, Yeah. So I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we both love God And so loving each other like springs from that. Like it's not, it's not a secular relationship in that like I love what he does for me and I love how he makes me feel. I do some good stuff for you. We are, we are united with the Lord together. Um, So like keeping that in mind that like it's a vow and and God is a part of it and um, God is the center of it. I'd say yeah. the thing that sets us apart in my prayer for every single one of you in this room when you get married, that you love God more than you love your spouse. And that might be a hard thing to get your mind around. But if you love God more than you love your spouse, there's nothing that they will ever do that you can't, from his help, forgive them for, work your way through. Um, if I love Brooke more than God, I got a problem. Because then who's my God? Brooke. 
And, and I fail. And she fails. And man, for the first little bit of our marriage, Brooke, because I led her to Jesus, saw me as God, and I could not take the pressure of being Brooke's Jesus. And I didn't even realize I was doing it. Yeah, we'd get in fights when I said, I'm not your Jesus. I'm like, like, I know. <laughs> so um, making sure that God is more important to us than we are, making sure God is more important to us than our kids are, etc. Um, and making sure that God is meeting the needs God's supposed to meet and not expecting each other to do that. You got one? No. I got a bunch of them over here. Okay. Um, are those mine? I'm just going to read this one. Many people know for sure when they are hearing from God, how do I know when it's God that is speaking to me? So um, we got this question last service and didn't really get to answer it well, but um, if you're asking the Lord a question, one, I would always encourage you to have your Bible available. It's the living, active Word of God. There, every question in the universe for people there's an answer in this book. So I encourage you to get to know it, spend time in it. But when I'm asking the Lord a question, if what I'm feeling, if what I think I'm hearing is negative, if it's like thoughts that are against me, I know that's not the Lord. Because the Lord doesn't speak to us like naughty, horrible little kids. The Lord speaks to us as a good father. And he's going to encourage. He always gives hope. He's going to challenge. And there will always be hope in God's answer. If you ask the Lord a question and you feel like a response of like, you're forgiven. Or I love you. Or you're amazing. You can pretty much guarantee that's probably the Lord's voice. But if you ask a question and you're feeling, I'm garbage. I'm not good enough. He'll never forgive me. That ain't the Lord's voice. That's somebody else's. So listen for that still small voice. Listen for the encouragement and the call uppance, if you will. It's, and always have your Bible available. It's often an immediate response from the Lord. Like yeah. he doesn't wait. He doesn't delay. You don't have to sit there for forever. Um, and it, it doesn't always sound like your own voice. If it does sound like your own voice, like really pray about it. Um, but the only way to know for sure, which no one ever knows for sure ahead of time, is that you accept it on faith and you see after the fact. Yeah, impossible to please the Lord without faith. And just the more you know the Lord, the more you will recognize his voice. And like I said before, all of us are wired differently to hear the Lord and experience him. You might hear the Lord through worship songs. You might hear, hear him through nature. Or for me, like when I read scripture, certain lines just stir in my spirit. And I'm like, I know God is saying this to me right now. So if you don't know how you hear from the Lord, ask him to show you this summer and keep asking and he'll let you know. Yeah, because I mean, we're meant to connect with the Lord in a way that like satisfies our heart. So if you're not satisfied in your heart with how you relate with God right now, that means you haven't figured out the way that was designed for you. Yeah. You got one? Um, well, someone just asked if, if someone wants to start reading their Bible, what's a good place to start? And I always say John. Um, Why? Because John refers to himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. And knowing Jesus loves you is the only way you can read the Bible. Otherwise, it's really, really, really hard to read. If you start reading the Bible in like Leviticus or Revelation, like that's, if that's the first thing that you read in your faith walk, if, if I read Revelation early in my faith walk and I was looking for demons in the end of the world everywhere, and you know, that's all right. The Bible talks about that and it's not horrible, but if you start in John, which is all about 
That's, that's the gospel of love. And that was the disciple Jesus loved. Like, you guys, if you start in John, love is gonna be the thing, the filter that you see God through. Um, so I would encourage you to start with John. Or the Psalms is a great place to start. <laughs> did you vote for Trump? No, <laughs> I did not, but I didn't vote for anybody. And if I was gonna vote, it might have been Trump um, for just political reasons. But, um, you know, when it comes to politics, I think you should vote. And I think that you should prayerfully vote. And I think it's a wonderful thing that we can vote. A member of this church was released this week after over a year in prison down in South America for something he didn't do. And I saw a video of him at the airport and he's just weeping. And he says, I just, I I had no idea how good we have it here in America. So you should vote and you should take that responsibility and privilege seriously. But I'll be honest, I was so discouraged by the options that we had across the board this year that I just didn't think I had the wisdom to know who the best candidate was. And so in light of voting, I prayed, but I don't know if that was the right thing, but it was the right thing for me. You got a new one? Uh Hang on. (laughs) There's a lot of different ones in here. I got one. Okay, you go. When are you going to honor your Super Bowl bet and get that tattoo? Right? I lost a game of squares with Brooke, and we we play like high level, you know, squares. And we only play for the Super Bowl, and I said I'd get a tattoo, and I'm still thinking about it. Uh, That's how I feel. Not uh, thinking about it. I don't know. If I get one, I'm scared I'm going to get like 100. Which is okay. <laughs> let's, let's move on. I answered okay. the question. So where do you see in the Woods Edge Student Ministry the biggest room for improvement? I'm sorry. I didn't hear that. I was reading this question. Uh, where's, <laughs> where is our biggest room for improvement? Um, I'm going to answer this um, and ask for an umbrella of grace because I know there's several areas and I'm actually taking a big chunk of this summer to pray about our student ministry and we're going to make some changes for the fall and I'm very excited. Uh, God has been saying that this next year is going to be really powerful for you guys, but I know things need to be adjusted. I'll, I'll, I'll share this and I'm not saying this at you. I'm saying this at me and for us. I don't see us as a really strong church that goes out of our way to invite non-believers to church. Um, So I answer that on behalf of all of us. I mean, how many times this year have I, you know, answer for yourself, but have I invited somebody to come to church with me? Not very many times. Some, but not many. We, We should be going out of our way to bring people in to hear the gospel. If you don't know how to share Jesus with your friends, bring them to us and we'll get the conversation going. That bless card that we handed out last week, I pray to God that not you, we use that this year. We need, you know people that desperately need Jesus. And this is an easy way. This is a very inviting area. We're not in your face. I would love to see this summer, our slow season, right? Go out of our way to invite people to church. That's one answer. And we're going to have fun this summer. And we're going to have fun. I, I, don't, I, I don't normally do fun stuff with you guys, and we're changing that. Yeah, Justin it can be really fun if you didn't know this, um, but you have to like turn him on or something. Like, cause once, so not in a weird way. It's like if he's if he's not fun, he's, he's just not fun. But he can really be fun. He likes food fights. Splash pads gonna be he, fun. He has embarrassed his mother in restaurants as an adult, causing food fights. So. Um, At Tommy Bahamas. 
They yeah. loved it. All right. I like this question. Is cussing okay as long as you don't take the Lord's name in vain or curse slash put a curse over someone? That's like three questions, and I, I like that. So, no, the Bible is clear that we should like refrain from impure talk, worthless talk, and so cussing is a sin. I don't think it's the worst sin, but all sin is sin. Um, however, taking the Lord's name in vain is different than I think the asker of this question might think, and probably what you guys think, because I didn't understand what that meant either. To take the Lord's name in vain doesn't mean you say, you know, G-O-D-A-M-N-I-T, right? It means to doubt God's power, to question or blaspheme the Holy Spirit, is to say or have an attitude of, God can't help me. God isn't real. If you take that kind of attitude, or if your speech doubts the reality of Jesus Christ and the power he has to change everything, that's to take the Lord's name in vain, to pretend like he doesn't matter and he doesn't do on behalf of his kids. Um, it's not when you say the actual words, which, to, for the record, is not a healthy or good thing to say. I think it chips away at our respect for the Lord when we use bad language and or specifically take the Lord's name in vain, as this question might be inferring. And to put a curse over somebody, is that's like straight up Old Testament, they'd kill you for it, sin. I'd stay away from that. And something that I've been reflecting on a lot lately is when somebody puts a curse on you, and believe it, it happens. If I call you an idiot in passion, it's a, it's a curse. But it says in the Bible that an, um, an undeserved curse will not land on its mark. If somebody curses you and you're like, whoa, I didn't do anything, don't worry about it. I just, I got all of that one. Yeah, Nick, you did. Good job, good job. Thank, thanks. <clears throat> okay. They didn't clap, but still. <laughs> yeah! If you give your life to God and then later in your life turn away or fall away from the word, do you still go to heaven? Um, <clears throat> if you truly gave your life to Jesus and you you stumble and you fall like everyone does, even if you stumble and fall hardcore, you do not lose your salvation. Um, I've known people who said they believed in God, but it was a completely different type of thing. Um, so it's a hard to answer question, I think. What do you, th I mean, because I don't want to make anyone question whether or not they're saved. Read it again. Okay. If you give your life to God and then later in your life turn away or fall away from the word, do you still go to heaven? I don't know. I can think of passages <clears throat> in the New Testament and Old that, like, from an educational perspective, like, could make me question, go either way. I told a story last service. I'm not going to tell it again, but um, I've messed up so much in my faith. It, again, I, I say it jokingly so often, but it's ridiculous that they let me sit up here and talk to you guys about Jesus because I've just made so many mistakes. I've done so many things that I'm ashamed of. But what I think of is the passage, the, the scripture and the sermon that we gave earlier this year when we talked about Guns for Hands, the 21 Pilots sermon. And if you want to listen to that and you haven't heard it, go online and you can find it on our webpage. When we talked about suicide and we talked about the verse in Romans 8 that says, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. When I think of that, Nothing, not the powers above, not the powers below, not people, not animals, not mistakes, 
Nothing, not even suicide, can separate us from God's love. Our worst day. So, um, we can have seasons where we're dry on our faith, where we question it, but man, God is good and he's graceful and he's forgiving. He'll never give up on you. So I would not encourage you to just like test that, but I would encourage you to remember that God will never give up on you. So why would you give up on him? Yeah, I mean, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, if you believe he died on the cross um, and paid for your sins and you rely on that, not yourself, you know that it's only because of Jesus. Um, Because I have another suicide question in here. Um, Then nothing you do takes away your salvation. Um, Because, yeah, this is saying, how how did you really come to the conclusion when so many other people disagree about suicide and heaven and hell? For me, I I, I lean on that scripture. That scripture, I read that in a new way because of that sermon, and it just spoke powerfully to me. Nothing. It doesn't say some things. It says nothing can separate us from God's love. Also, nowhere in the Bible does it say people who commit suicide go to hell. Yeah, my, my default in that is always to go to the Word. Um, and I would encourage you guys to. I'm going to say this real fast while Brooke finds another question. We're not going to get into it. We had like a whole like methodology of answering your questions to teach you how to answer your questions. But the internet, like Dwight broke the internet. Um, I want you to know that when you have questions about anything related to the Bible or God, I encourage you... you You were made with the curiosity and the intelligence to figure out the answers to those questions. So what I do when I have a question about the Bible is I either go to Google, right, or gotquestions.com. Dot org. Dot org, one of them. And I type in Bible or scripture, comma, and I write in my question. And whatever Google or gotquestions brings up as a scriptural reference. I don't just ask Google stuff. I ask Google, where in the Bible can I find the answer to this question? And then after it says like Ecclesiastes 4 or 26 Bible verses about lust, if I have a question about lust, then I will go to the Bible. I will abandon Google, which just got me started, and I will go straight to the Word and only the Word. I will never rely on any of those. I will go to the Word in the verse reference that I'm given and read, what does scripture have to say about X, Y, or Z? There are questions that we won't get to today that have to do with lust or wisdom or parenting or being a kid. Write out Bible or scripture, comma, that question, and then go to the word and find that answer. And the the resource online that I like to use is biblegateway.com. It's every version of the Bible. It's super vetted. It's exactly what's written in the word. And so that's what I would encourage you guys to do with any of your questions over the months and years to come. You got a new question? Yes. What is the best way to confront or deal with someone who has hurt you? Man, just do it. I would pray for them before I go talk to them. Um, I would reconcile my own emotions because sometimes when people have hurt you, you don't, you're angry, you're hurt. And while you need to talk to them from that place, that reality, you don't want to go so focused on your hurt, so focused on your anger or your pain that that's all that they hear. So I would pray for myself. I would ask God, what do you have to say to me about this? Where have I hurt them in this before I go talk to them? But then I would just go talk to them. What I would not do is talk to my friends about it, talk to their friends about it, slip into gossip. I would keep it between me and Jesus 
and me and that friend. And I think you can safely assume that most people don't want to hurt you. Um, so if you look at it as, okay, what, what went wrong? Like, why did they feel like this was the right thing to do? Like, if you, if you try and look at it from their perspective, um, they will be more inclined to try and look at things from your perspective as well. Because um, it can be a mutual conversation rather than like a, I'm going to get after you for what you did to me kind of thing. Yeah. Our heart, when we go to people for reconciliation, needs to be reconciliation. It needs to be, I love you. I know you love me. Let's work this out. Not, hey, you hurt me, and I'm just going to lay out all the reasons why, and then I'm done. Like, it needs to be with a heart of, how do we fix this? And I'll just encourage you guys, sometimes you can't. And so you say your piece and you pray for them and it's okay that you have to step away for a week or a season. Um, just because the Bible preaches grace and Jesus was all about grace doesn't mean we will always get it right. So hold those things loosely, but yeah, go to the Lord first and then go to the person. I got a question here that kind of lines up with that. Does God have somebody picked out for us to marry or do we choose? I'd say maybe both. Um, not everybody in this room will get married probably. Um, and the Bible says some of you will not get married and some will, etc. But I would approach that question with the same advice that we just shared. Man, if you think you love her, if you think that he is the one, you better talk to Jesus about it before you guys get married or pregnant. Because too many of my friends' relationships, they, they loved them and Jesus wasn't at the center. And sooner or later, I mean, I, I love this woman more than I will ever be able to tell you. Like, I'm crazy about her. She's my everything. I love everything about her. And so many times she can do no wrong in my eyes, but sometimes she does do some wrong <laughs> in my eyes. And if I didn't have Jesus, and if God himself wasn't present when I made my vows and I said forever, I probably would have left. Right? Oh, he I'm used to throw out that D word the first year of marriage. Yeah, I threatened mm. her with divorce a couple times. Real manly thing to do. No. <laughs> um, so ask the Lord before you make those big decisions. I mean, some of you guys are like, I'm going to A&M because my dad did. Hey, maybe that's where you're supposed to go. But maybe you're supposed to be a missionary in Greece. Maybe you're supposed to start at Lone Star. Like, ask the Lord. Wait for peace. There's no rush when it comes to, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this person. So how do, you, how do you respect your parents when you know that they are not living right and their actions are sinful? Your parents aren't perfect? What? I think we can relate because, I mean, not only do we still have parents, but um, like we have to submit to authority at church, at work, at all kinds of different places. We have to submit to the authority placed above us. And uh, we don't always agree. Um, how is it actually? So how do we do that? Um, it depends on the situation, but for the most part, the Lord is more interested in us being respectful and honoring those above us, like our parents. I mean, that's one of the Ten Commandments, um, than not having to deal with whatever our parents have going on. When I'm called to o obey a decision of my boss or of my parents, and I'm like, I just don't agree with this. So long as what they're asking me or expecting me to do isn't a sin, I do it. 
And I do it for this reason, because God said so. How can we learn how to obey God if we can't even obey our parents? How can we learn to be a good employee when we can't even be a good servant of the Lord? I heard a great sermon by Stephen Furtick years ago where he just brought the, just the thunder to a room full of pastors from all over the nation that were older than him by far, and he said, obey your leaders. There's something holy and something that changes us inside on a spiritual level when we obey, even when we don't agree. And it's totally unnatural. Um, it's like a sacrifice to the Lord, because I grew up without a lot of discipline, and whenever Justin would, once I, you know, gave my life to the Lord and married him and lived here, would be like, well, sorry, that's the way it is. I'm like, oh, no, it isn't. You know, like, not unless I agree. Um, (laughs) And then one of the things um, we have to do at church here um, is we commit to paying the tithe, giving 10% to the church. And my response was, Why? Why can't I give it to whoever I want? What if this person needs money and they're part of the church? And I just completely disagreed with it. I was so angry that I was being told where my tithe had to go. And then this friend of mine was like, Brooke, like, why are you so like, upset about being right? Like, you want to be right. You want to be able to do what you want. But like, God is more concerned that you would sacrifice your desires to obey your leadership. And he recognized and pointed out that that was like a repeated pattern in my life that I I don't like to submit to authority, um, which probably a lot of you feel that way. Um, (laughs) And so doing that for the Lord, um, submitting to your parents to honor the Lord, doing it and like knowing, God, this is for you. um, You'll see good fruit come from that. How do you interpret the verse about being unequally yoked? So the Bible talks about don't be unequally yoked, specifically when it comes to being married. And the illustration that should come to mind when what this verse was talking about in a physical sense was when there's two oxen, like these, not just cows, like these giant burly beasts that were bred to work. They can haul thousands of pounds. Well, imagine you have this great ox that is so you can't plow your field without him and then you have this like 80 pound miniature donkey right and you tie them together and say go at the same pace it's not going to help it's not going to happen and that ox will end up dragging that donkey along and sometimes stepping on it and trampling it etc and that's when the bible says don't be unequally yoked so I had a, somebody that I had this conversation with just this past winter who wanted to date somebody, and I can't remember the specifics, and it doesn't really matter, but this person did not believe in God, and the person asking me about it did. And it's like, okay, you're God's child, and so are they, but you want to go in this direction with your faith, and you want to pursue the Lord. You want the Bible to be the foundation of your relationship, and you're asking me if it's okay to date this person that doesn't believe in any of it, that doesn't agree with any of it. How is that going to work? You are strong in your faith, and you're going to ultimately drag this person along, and they're going to resent you. They're going to get hurt. They're not going to understand. Um, There's more that I can say about that, but 
I've seen people, and specifically when it's like a woman that marries a man, and the woman is strong in her faith and the man is not, and I have yet to see the man not resent her because she's living the life that God called her to, and when you live that life, you're a leader, and so she's leading her husband, and she's supposed to be not. The man's supposed to lead the marriage, and they resent each other, and they fight, and it gets ugly. You guys, don't get married thinking, oh, well, after we're married, I'll lead them to Jesus. Be equally yoked. Marry somebody that's already a believer. Um, and women, just let your husband lead. It's biblical, it's good, and there's something so beautiful about following. I'm, I'm the leader in our family, but I also follow, and it's good. It's so good to just be obedient. So um, <laughs> Justin told me when we first started talking that like I needed to have a relationship with Jesus for us to be talking like romantically I wouldn't talk to her romantically like relationally unless I knew she believed in God and I was like well we could talk about it um because I had zero faith and and I knew about God because I'd gone Catholic school and done all that but like um I was just honest and I was like okay this is where I'm at but like yeah I don't live for God at all um, and as we pursued God together, God came to him in a dream at one point or during a quiet time or something. And you felt like it was time for me to like either choose the Lord or we had to stop talking. And I was like, okay, I choose the Lord. <laughs> um, and I didn't realize, I mean, even though my motives like weren't completely pure and for the Lord at that time, um, God used even that. Like, I mean, that little tiny itty bitty bit, like that hope in what Justin had to offer by his life for Jesus. Like, I was like, okay, like I'm not done. I, I can't leave this behind now. Like I want to keep going. I want, I want to see the world like this. I want to live life like this. Um, and yeah, it was worth it. And you'll note it happened before we were married. It did. Yeah. Um, how do you stay pure for marriage? Um, can you say your experience? Yeah, a, a lot of impurity was my experience. Um, there was an earlier question similar to this, but um, how did you wait? Because I didn't marry Brooke until I was 30. You know, 10 years of being single. Um, I, I waited really poorly. Not single. I waited really poorly. I was a textbook codependent from 16 until about 28. And didn't even know who I was unless I was in a relationship. So I didn't know myself as anything but a boyfriend and God wasn't the center of any of the relationships. But the last two years before I met Brooke, um, I, I still wasn't perfect, but I just, I'm gonna be single and I'm gonna get to know who I am as an adult person before I drag one more person into my life to be romantically involved with. Because I started dating when I was a teenager and I was never single. And so from teenager to mid-20s is when I became like me. And so I didn't know who me was without a relationship. And I know all of you are mature and I know all of you are so much just already adults, but you don't fully know who you are just yet. You still have some big life experiences, whether it's your first job or college, your first um, this, that, or the other. And so who you are today is totally different from who you're going to be in a year or three. 
And so I spent those two years just getting to know who Jesus was and who I was. Have you ever said, like, I mean, think about it. I'm just going to spend this year figuring out, like, who am I? What do I really like? How do I like my eggs? You know, not how they do, but how, how do I? And when you have a good understanding of that, maybe you're ready to date. So I would take it from, like, a different angle, personally. And it's okay. No, I'm right. But. No, you are right also. But, like, some of us have different motivations. And I wish I knew what I was doing to my body before I valued purity. Um, Aside from the fact, I'm just going to say it, that if you have sex with someone who's already had sex, you get HPV, period, now. Like, welcome to cervical cancer. Um, It's the only sin that you really do against yourself, right? It's not the only one. but Not the only one? Okay, but it's one of them, man. It's bad. Um, And I'm doing a lot of reading right now about how our lives affect our bodies. Um, And it's not just like physical sex. It's like what happens when you even just give your heart away to someone um, who's not the one. Um, Your body carries memories of all the stuff that happens and it offsets the way your body is supposed to work. Um, And so it affects the way you think, it affects the way you feel, it affects the way you see God and the way you see other people. so if you want, like, everything that God, like, designed for you, like, if you want that perfect shalom where, like, you have peace and you prosper and, like, all the good things that God promises in the Bible, um, if you've been impure, it takes a lot more work with the Lord to get to that state. Well, let me throw a spin on it, and I'm glad you brought up the sex piece. Um, sex is more powerful than you have than you guys can imagine. Like I'm, spiritually. I'm, I've been married for 11 years and I'm just scratching the surface at the raw power of when two bodies come together as one. It's bigger than us. It's greater than us. And stuff happens on a spiritual level when you give your heart and especially your body to someone else. Um, raise your hand if you're a sinner and you're sitting in this room right now. Okay. So there's some spiritual stuff that you're still working on with the Lord and you're going to go and you're going to join your body and your spirit with another sinner and their sins, something's going to happen. I mean, it's, when it says two become one, it's not just talking about the physical act. We are spiritual beings in physical bodies, which means you're spiritual first. And when you join yourself spiritually through the spiritual act of sex, you are taking on all their stuff. And you're giving them all your stuff, the good, the bad, the ugly, physically and spiritually. And I was not wise in how I waited. And I had to pray and pray and pray for myself to understand how jacked up and messed up I was spiritually before I met Brooke and how, like just the trail of mess that I made on the way. Um, it's and, and so powerful. And it doesn't powerful. stop. Like the, the, the hurt and the hardship, like you live with it. It's yeah. not worth the moment. As people that live in a world, like the physical world, you should be really concerned about diseases, HPV, etc. But as Christians who are spiritual beings 
first and know it, you should be so careful. You should be so respectful of the power of sex. Um, you can, it's not that we just hurt ourselves, we can hurt other people. It's such a powerful thing. Respect it. We, we really kind of out of time. Oh, we are? I know, I hate it. There's let's just lot. do, let's do another one. I want to I do a good one for the last one. They're all good, but still. Huh. Seems fitting. <laughs> we'll close with that. All right. Um, if not to take away pain, but rather for recreational usage, is weed okay? In Genesis, it says to use all the Lord gives us, and weed comes from the earth. Somebody's been listening to some Cypress Hill. <laughs> um, okay, so here's, here's a really good rule, you guys, when it comes to any kind of thing that you, that you allow to alter how you think and how you feel and how you act, because weed does that. Alcohol does that. Other drugs do that. Relationships can do that. What's very important is that you always remain in a state where you can honor God, where you can obey him, and where you can represent the gospel well. Mm. After that, you've gone too far. Um, I also don't recommend breaking the law. I don't think that Jesus loves that. Um, (laughs) So as long as it's against the law, I would also um, say probably no. And it's likely that in our state, you know, red state, Texas, sooner or later, probably within the next couple of years, it'll probably be legal, but it still qualifies as getting drunk. You're losing control. You are giving away your control of your emotions and your thoughts. And that qualifies as do not get drunk, period. It's right there, black and white, scriptural. Um, not don't drink wine, but don't get drunk. Don't so get drunk. It's okay to really drink wine. You really have to um, be wise and be mature before you can even consider any of those things. And the thing with weed is you only need to do it, you know, for a minute and you're there and you've lost control of your emotions and your thoughts. And I know there's lots of arguments that can be made, but I think the fact that this is one of those questions that so many people ask is that people are just trying to justify it. Oh, it's okay. It's from the earth. Well, you know what? So is the plant that makes cocaine. So is the stuff that comes together at the end of the day that makes methamphetamines. like Hemlock. Hemlock, (laughs) right? So, no, it's a sin, and I think everybody in here knows it's not good for us. It's wasted time. Um, I spent years doing that stuff, and you know that about me. And I can't think back to any single moment when I was high that I'm like, that was a good idea. Good things came out of that. Well, and I would challenge the use of the, you know, the word recreationally. Like, really, is that what it's for? Like, I'm not sure that's why you're smoking weed. I would guess that there is a deeper issue underneath there um, for you to be desiring being stoned. Not to mention it... Um it retards your emotions, and I don't say that in a bad way, but I got a friend and smoked a lot, and he is one of my very best friends, and he's 42 now, and he has the emotional capacity of a 14-year-old boy. 
It, I don't say that to joke around. It stunts your emotional growth. For that reason, I mean, do you want to be a 25-year-old that still rationalizes things as a 14-year-old? Trust me, you don't. You don't. I'm so happy to be 32. I would never be a teenager ever again. <laughs> I know. We, we sympathize with all of you. No. I know. I'm so sorry. You guys, I want to um, invite the band to come up here, and we're going to respond. I hope this... Was this valuable for you guys? Did you enjoy this? Yeah. We can do it again sometime. So many. I want to wrap us up with two scriptures, and then I'm going to pray for us, and then I would love for us to just respond in worship and thank God that we have the word and prayer to go to, etc. And um, we're going to try and address these questions, but it's a tough week, too, because we're going to camp. Um, but maybe we'll write some of the answers online. And again, if you, don't, if you didn't get your question answered and you really wanted to, BibleGateway.com, dude. Just hit it. Maybe I can answer them while I'm with the kids at camp. Yeah, you can just hang out in the room and answer questions. And then you can, and then, yeah, you can uh, edit. So, so I, I did ask the Lord for a couple passages as takeaways as we kind of wrapped up this morning. I want to read these, like, over us, like, into us. So with that in mind, will you guys just bow your heads and receive this loving, invitational exhortation from your Father in heaven? Lord, your word tells us in Matthew 7 and then again in James 1, but you say, keep on asking. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone, and this is true for every one of us in this room, Everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. If you need wisdom, if you need an answer, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. And he will not, he will never rebuke you for asking. Lord, thank you that you've given each of us imaginations and creativity and curiosity. Those things are gifts from you. You made us to want to figure things out, to understand, because you knew you are there in heaven. You are all around us, and you want to be discovered and found out, and you put it in us, a desire to discover and to find out. May we be bold in asking questions this summer. May we be bold in receiving from you answers. Lord, as I pray for us as we wrap up, this is not just words. This is our prayer with all of our hearts to you. Father, as we go forth in a few minutes this morning, we ask you, we are every one of us asking you to give us spiritual wisdom and insight so that we might grow in our knowledge of you. We pray that our hearts will be flooded with light so that we can understand the confident hope that Jesus has given us, us, his holy people. We are his rich and glorious inheritance. Lord, may we think of ourselves better. May we understand you more. We love you. 
We thank you that we get to ask questions and that you are a God that loves to answer. For all the questions that didn't get addressed today, answer them. You know what's on our hearts. Speak to us. Help us hear you. Help us obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can come on up here and take communion this morning. We have copies of our blessed card. We're going to keep that in front of us all summer. So grab one if you didn't get one. And then let's worship together as we close.